Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 104 of Internet Marketing brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com and today Kelvin is talking to Lisa Gansky, author of The Mesh, Why the Future of Business is Sharing, all coming up on Internet Marketing. Lisa, your book's called, um, it's about mesh businesses. Can you explain um, what a mesh business is and what the characteristics of that type of business are? Absolutely, yes. Um, mesh businesses are, there's a, there's a number of things that tie them together. Fundamentally, the mesh is about a shift in our relationship to the things in our life, uh, our personal life and business. And so uh, the mesh is basically um, looking for offers that are that are fundamentally a uh, allow for sharing or access to goods and services rather than owning them. So think uh, Spotify, potentially Netflix or Love Film, um, those sorts of things are giving access to uh, Zipcar or Streetcar in the UK, uh, GoGet in Australia. Uh, those, those services are services that leverage a few things. Um, they are taking a physical object or service and making it accessible to many. Uh, so you, you're essentially renting it or gaining access to it as a broad group of customers over and over. Um, that keeps us as, as consumers or individuals or businesses from necessarily having to own things that we want to have an experience with, like a film or listening to music. Uh, but it's not uh, causing us to necessarily have to own it and manage the manage it through its whole life cycle, like do away with the waste and all of that. Um, secondly, it's using data. Uh, so for the company, from the company's perspective, as an entrepreneur, uh, a company that we started a decade ago was Ophoto. It was one of the first photo sharing services, which we sold to Kodak, and uh, I think is now, now still called the Kodak Gallery. But one of the things that we learned from that business is it was using, because of the nature of photography, uh, you know, consumer photography is about sharing. We used to say babies, pets, and sunsets. Um, and so basically the idea is that, you know, I, I come to a party with you and a bunch of friends 
uh, take photographs and then share the photographs with the people at the party who, you know, want to see themselves and, and other people that they like, you know, having a good, a good, uh, a good time. Um, the nature of photography lent itself to sharing. And so we started to play with the phenomenon of, you know, you pay to acquire one customer but as people, you know, share out to their network, you, you get exposed to as a business and a brand and you gain access to, in our business, it was five to six new customers. And so we would pay for one. Uh, effectively, the, you know, the cost of acquisition was 20 or 18% of what it was because it was spread over five or six customers. Well, many of the social networking companies are learning that and seeing that. So social, the social phenomenon is a big part of the mesh. So too, related to that, is data, the, the ability to see what sorts of people are using which products at what moments and how to make them more readily available or to gain more kinds of products like that. So if you look at a business like, um, like Love Film or Spotify or Mog or Netflix, Pandora, any of those uh, companies have a lot of information about what kinds of people are listening to which music or watching which films, uh, how, who they are related to and what those people are watching. And we can start to change the way that individual people discover, like for example, my ability to uh, discover music and films uh, at this point in my life versus 10 years ago is, is wholly different and way better because um, I have all sorts of people, those I know and those that, uh, that I don't, but are just contributing to make the, the service a better place. So there's this overarching um, sense of what, what we often in the business uh, of, the, of the web call the, the culture of generosity. But it's basically the notion that like Wikipedia and these other services, um, you contribute to something and it makes it better for the next person. And so uh, as a company, if we think about it from an entrepreneurial perspective, we're getting, you know, instead of selling a, a film to somebody once or a car or a bicycle to somebody once, you're having the opportunity to interact with them many times over and seeing, you know, who they recommend the service to and how frequently they use which products and, and all sorts of things that enable uh, a company like Streetcar or Zipcar or Zopa to understand um, how to package offers. Um, what, what's gonna, what is it going to take to reach out to a new market and what is it going to take to delight the current market? And those sorts of things allow for you know, all those of us who have who have built companies and brands from from nothing um, understand that a brand is a voice and a product is a souvenir. And our ability to create a brand that resonates with people and then let, leave something behind that is on message with you know on voice and on message with the brand is is really compelling. So when you look at you know, zip car or street car in the UK. Um, the last few times I've been there, there's a you know a drink company called Innocent, for example. And you look at the packaging and the the typeface of the brand. You know, it's very a it's a it's a relatively new brand, but it seems to have garnered a lot of appreciation and has quite a bit of distribution. Um, and I think that when we look at brands that that resonate with people, um, you know, certainly we also learn in the in the business world in the last few years that what your friend says about an experience with a product or a company or what somebody who 
acts like or looks like your friend says about it has a lot more credibility with you and me than uh, what the company says about itself. And so, you know, broad sort of classic old-time advertising is pretty much futile as in terms of being effective. And new other ways of learning and reaching and testing new audiences are necessary. And the mesh, the style of the mesh is essentially allowing a company, for example, Ford or Nissan with their cars, Fiat, uh, to, to come out and to make offers through, um, you know, Daimler, for example, in, in Europe has come out with a, um, a car to go, you know, a, a way to take branded car sharing. And what it allows them okay. to do, it's a mesh offer, it allows them to continue to offer their vehicles but in a different format that gives them a lot more feedback from customers and reaches new customers, different customers, ones that don't want to own the car but just have access. Now it's very easy to share digital products um, but what's the biggest challenges that that face people who want to share physical products? Um, I, you know, I know in the book you talk about kind of car sharing and DVD um, style mesh businesses um, like um, Love Film here in the UK or Netflix in the States. What's the biggest challenge for sharing physical products? Well, one is location. Uh, the business model, you know, so with a digital product, you can, you know, the software model essentially, which plays to all digital products, is since the thing isn't physical, you can resell it many times and your cost of goods is is not um you know, you, you don't have to rebuy the thing over and over again. There might be a different license that you have to gain. Whereas when you have a physical product, you know, you need, you actually need uh, all those cars made available. For example, if there's a thousand people that want to gain access to a vehicle at a particular time of day, you actually either need them to, to go into some ride share program and, and start to you know, collaborate in terms of how they get from place to place, or if they, you need a thousand individual cars, then you actually need the vehicles, um, which has in a way spurred a whole other, what I call um, own to mesh. It's essentially, you know, we already own things in our lives and our businesses. We own factories, we own cars and bicycles and homes and all sorts of goods. Um, and that uh, that we're not starting with a clean slate and so own to mesh are things like in the UK whip car or in the US relay rides um, there's one that just launched called Deways in France uh, these programs are peer-to-peer -peer car sharing so it essentially says you know you already own your vehicle uh, you know we use our vehicles about eight percent of the time during the day so ninety two percent of the time they're just hanging around, uh, not being used, but costing us money and, and taking up a lot of space. So uh, the fundamental idea is that people will car share if the car is one to two blocks from where they are. And most of uh, us have you know neighbors' cars that are sitting around either at our home or office that is one to two blocks from where we are. So the idea is essentially that you know where Zipcar or Streetcar is a is a fleet strategy. The company actually owns the vehicles, but micro leases them or shares them with with the members. In this case, uh, with Whipcar and Relay Rides, the um, the vehicles are owned by you and me, and we decide uh, like a vacation. Uh, you know, share or something like that, we decide at what moments we, we actually want to use it and when we're not using it, if we want to make it available to our neighbors. So people are making uh, anywhere between 200 and 700 quid, for example, in the UK at 
or, or pounds rather in the UK and in the US sort of the same range in dollars uh, per month by basically renting out their vehicle to the neighbor when they're not using it. Now you talk about access to goods trumping ownership to goods so it's better to what's important is having access to something rather than necessarily owning it do you think that's a bit of a challenge to the the capitalist model and the capitalist way of doing things absolutely i mean i think that that um there's a few things that will happen right one is that uh so the fundamental aspect of the mesh because it, it mostly is organized around physical objects is that there's a location aspect to it as well as the physical uh asset right so uh, whereas with Flickr or the, the other examples you gave, you can just there's distri- distribution is very wide. In this case, um, with mesh businesses, you know if you are access to your neighbor's vehicle, uh, different from Zopa, you don't really care where the person is that you're loaning money to. Um, in this case, you do care where your neighbor's vehicle is. As it relates to the manufacturing model um, and the the business, so last week I was at uh, Ted Motor City speaking to the auto industry. Uh, executives and, and folks uh, the, the evening before the auto show started. And what I think, uh, it, with respect to your question, is that we are going to redefine and rethink how products are built because products are going to become increasingly optimized for sharing. Um, that means that, for example, um, with respect to cars, uh, you know, they should roll off the assembly line share ready just like our notebooks were Wi-Fi ready and our televisions were cable ready, um, the, the things that we have in our lives, I think, uh, are going to need to be network ready so that we have the option of meshing them when we want to and not when we don't, either th- while we're owning them and using them. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Or through the life cycle of the product itself. Um, secondly, you know, the materials that people choose to, to build products with 
uh, there's a lot of thought that's going to go into those from a sustainability standpoint, and uh, and that's mostly because finally policies are coming into play that are going to cost manufacturers. They're they're going to have to show on their P and L uh, the actual real cost of waste, which is quite steep. Um, and so they'll make different decisions about what they build products with. Uh, third, you know, the products will need to be both flexible and durable, uh, enhancing and increasing. Uh, their, the capacity for them to be upgraded over the life cycle and also for the actual number of years that they're, that they're able to be used, uh, you know, well. And so I think those are the sorts of things that are going to, uh, I don't think that the factory model that we're going to stop making things, uh, I think that we're going to make better things and we're also going to start to uh, understand that we have historically what we called waste uh, was actually premature, and that if we squeeze hard on what we've been calling waste, there's a lot of value in those things. Is there any particular way in which kind of a mesh style of business would work particularly well with cooperatives or NGOs or charities? I, I imagine that, that that will be the case. I don't, it's hard for me to um, kind of give in that, you know, a company that really wants to uh, evolve into the next phase of their life cycle in business. So, for example, you know, Bill Ford at last week at Ford in in Detroit uh, was talking about you know that their realization that Ford is in fact a company that's committed to mobility, not necessarily to making cars. And you know that declaration creates a whole different opportunity space for a company like Ford than them hanging on to the idea that they're in fact forever in the auto manufacturing business. Um, I don't know what it means from a shareholder perspective or from a day-to-day operational perspective, but in terms of creating uh, like the, the mind shift and a new context for how and where they might um, position themselves and begin to design and compete, I think it's really interesting. So, um, so I'd like to think that any company or any industry, any city, can think about itself as a platform and begin to build out an ecosystem and understand what it is to create a mesh in and around them. Um, but I'm sure that you know there are there are many businesses that are so in love with their current business models and profit margins uh, that you know. And frankly, you know, m- many of them fall asleep at the wheel, right? That it becomes way too comfortable, and we've seen this over and over. I um, was inside of Kodak at the time that film. Uh, tanked, right? And and there was a business model that was delivering a, a dollar profit for every roll of film they sold. And they loved that business model. I used to tell them it was, you know, only to be beaten out by like Colombian drug lords or something. It was, it's a big business model. Um, and so it was very hard from a digital perspective, especially when you're starting and you have, you know, 30 or 40 percent margins to compete with uh, something like film, where there was such a incredible IP advantage. And I think, um, you know, in this new century, we're, we're shifting a lot of the ideals. Ownership doesn't only relate to uh, physical goods. It's also kind of rethinking intellectual property in the way that we share. You know, if you, if you think about what is crowdsourcing due to patents, um, what is, you, you know, the, the whole process by which um, innovation and inventions are brought forward in on these different platforms today is very very different than uh, you know a company uh, last century 50 or more years ago uh, investing in R&D in order to own something 
that would give them this huge competitive advantage over competition. It's it's a whole different approach to the market. Now, on this podcast, we're all about marketing. Um, do you think the kind of mesh businesses, by the nature of the sharing that's involved with them, are kind of um, self-promoting? And you know, what are the challenges for people who want to run a mesh business in in marketing that that type of company? I mean, I think that people are um, the mesh businesses live inside of a network, so it's a very natural. For example, in the UK. Uh, there's there's something called swishing. Uh, the Futura group got together and uh, we're really thinking about. Yeah, you know, this is years ago. You know um, that that clothes swapping or secondhand clothing had uh, like a a good possibility, but a really kind of crunchy granola hippie reputation. And so they got together and uh, a number of women and real, talked about, you know, how they have all these great clothes that, that they don't wear anymore. It's not like crummy clothes. They're really fashionable things. So, you know, they, in order to make uh, cl- kind of clothes sharing or secondhand clothes sexy, they came up with this notion of swishing and they create these swishing parties. And they're, you know, this phenomenon that has gone through various parts of Europe and is throughout the US and I'm probably into Australia and Canada Um, and swishing is essentially you know women mostly I haven't heard men doing it coming together everybody brings something fabulous you have a chance to pimp your your the thing that you you brought um, and basically everybody you know has a little bit of wine and a terrific time and spreads the word and cues up the next swishing party you know, fairly rapidly. It's not, there's, there's not in this instance money exchanged, but there's a lot of value exchanged and relationships built. And one of the other things that's happened um, and is starting to emerge is people who are open to sharing are open to sharing more than just in one domain. So for example, you know, if I show up at a swishing party, I'm a pretty good target for streetcar or uh, you know, or DeWays or, or um, Kiss Kiss Bank Bank or, you know, any of these Zopa, any of these other services that are, um, uh, you know, that are mesh businesses essentially because I'm predisposed to that model. I'm, I'm really open to access and sharing. And, you know, it's not only will I invite you to, um, you know, to maybe try out the whip car uh, service because you, you know you can have my car. I'll offer you a special deal or you know something like this. But I I may also um, you know you may I mean may be able to bring you across uh, sectors. So in you know invite you into uh, you know billion friends. That's essentially a, um, a a matching site of buyers and sellers specifically for IKEA goods of all things. You know there's something called Are You Local. Um, there, there's a, a new service that's that exchanges no money, but essentially it's uh, about exchanging um, favors for each other. It's a favor bank that was started in the UK called I Can Can You, um, and a lot of it is run through Facebook as a Facebook app. But it's really quite interesting because it, it, it's basically trading favors among you know a, a friends, and then pretty soon, to your point, the the whole notion of friends starts to to blur the line. There's people that I would, you know, uh, let rent my car, but then there's a different smaller group of people that I would have stay at my home or take care of my dog or, you know, the thing is that I'm, you know, uh, by way of confession, a perpetual entrepreneur. And so when I started to see the phenomenon of the, the phenomenon of the mesh a few years ago, 
um, I was imagining that I would start a business because that's my knee-jerk answer to things. <laughs> um, and then I, I started to build out a database, um, which ended up being about 1,200 companies. Uh, and I was building it to try to convince myself to not write a book because a number of my friends um, who are authors were, you know, pushing me to write a book. And I was, I'm not, you know, I, that's not sort of my historical practice. So I was... Uh, let's just say skeptical. <laughs> um, so I built out this database, uh, which ended up being about 1,200 companies or organizations or programs around the world in 30 different categories like food, finance, fashion, transportation, energy, art, etc. And, um, and so then I suddenly realized like, oh my God, I have to write a book. There's already 1,200 and I'm, you know, finding more every day. So when I, um, when I launched the book, I put the website up and it's morphing into a mesh community directory. It's a global directory right now. But the idea is that, you know, so if you have an idea, a lot of mesh businesses are very local. Um, Pop-up stores, uh, you know, these smaller um, bike and car share services, uh, the, the swishing parties, all sorts of these things are local. Um, some people build them as platforms, but you can go and if you're an entrepreneur, look at these things that are happening around the world in different categories and get interesting ideas. If you have an existing business, it gives you an opportunity to see who's doing what and to potentially find really good partners. Uh, if you're a journalist and you're looking for the the grounding that this is in fact more than just a little fad, uh, you can dive in and and look in particular areas and see the depth at which uh, the mesh is is taking over. Um, and then uh, this will be morphed over the next you know year or so into a much deeper community. Uh, but already there's over 3,300, I think 3,400 uh, mesh companies worldwide. So it's you know essentially tripled. Uh, since uh, September. Kelvin, you make a, a really good point. I just want to say in, in closing that, um, that, that companies in any stage of their life cycle or in any industry can really try a mesh uh, service or opportunity. Um, that the, the phenomenon is that the platform allows you, know, you to go in and do a very small test in a physical market or to partner with somebody to, to learn about a, a new kind of service or, or, um, or market. And so I, I really would encourage companies to explore meshing it at meshing.it or to, um, you know, and begin to discover you know, new ways that they may offer access rather than just selling a product once, but engage a customer and maintain a relationship with that customer or partner through a whole life cycle. Thanks for that, Lisa. That was absolutely amazing. I think um, the mesh model is something that I'm, I'm definitely seeing a, a pattern developing in lots of interesting, exciting businesses where this kind of access is more important than ownership of. And yeah, I definitely recommend um, reading the book and checking out your website, meshing.it. That would be too, that would be a, a super outcome. I would really appreciate it. And um, thank you so much. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org, where you'll find show notes, links, and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments, and questions from you. If you want to send an email send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, 
If you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. If you're inside the UK, it's o one two seven three two five six one five zero. And you can leave a voice comment or question, and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 